0: This morning, as we continue in our satisfied series, we're going to focus our minds and our hearts on on what it means to have satisfied emotions. This hits home for every single one of us, and as we think through what it means to have emotions that are whole, emotions that are healthy, and that are satisfied in the presence of God, we're going to go through a text, and, and we're going to... Answer four questions, and so we're going to go right through this and and see what God has for us this morning from His Word. So the first question that we're going to ask is: What are emotions? That might seem easy enough; it may seem like an obvious question, but it's actually not. It's important for us to think through, well, especially biblically, what exactly are emotions? And so let's think through. First of all. What our world says is, I've done some thinking about that this week. It seems like there's this view that I'll call it the scientific view of emotions. And so this view says that we have chemicals in our brain, and when you feel something like, say, love or anger or sadness or anxiety, and any of those emotions are nothing more. Than just physiological. They're just chemicals in your brain. So even what you call love is nothing more than an evolutionary reality that exists so that the species will continue in procreation. There is no such thing as true love. It's just a chemical in your brain. That is a reality in our world. People, many of them, believe this. Another view I'll call the pop psychology, so the popular psychology view. And you can go into any bookstore and you'll see a very large section of self-help books of mental wellness or mental health. And there's so many like gurus and seminars and conferences that are all geared towards emotional wellness. And if I'm honest with you, if you go and read that stuff, it's not all bad. Some of it, you may find some helpful tips. I don't want to discredit the truth that all truth is God's truth. But the truth is that many of these pop psychology approaches, emotional or mental health, are very shallow. They don't go deep enough and they don't address the reality of God or who we are made in His image. And so I'll say that may be helpful to a degree, but very shallow and oftentimes unbiblical in their approach. Now, there's another view that I'll call the emotions are sovereign view. So, this is what I mean by that. We'll say things like, I can't help how I feel. It's not my fault that I fell in love, as though you like, you tripped and fell into a, a, a pit or something. Like, I fell for her, or this kind of language that describes emotions as being so powerful and so controlling that we've essentially made emotions sovereign. And we can't help but just follow along because the heart wants what it wants. And so this is another common view. But I want to talk for a minute, though, about views within the church. And so people that probably even in this room, we would be somewhere on this spectrum. There are people that are believers that have a view that I'll call cerebral Christianity. So if you're wondering what, what all exactly is this cerebral approach to following Jesus, it's very academic you enjoy the knowledge that you gained from the Bible, and so you love getting more information. There really isn't a whole lot of emotion going on when it comes to you and God. And on a Sunday morning, if you go to worship gathering where people are singing or raising their hands, you feel kind of uncomfortable with all of that emotional and touchy-feely stuff. And maybe you think, I don't need all that emotional stuff. I just need the word, pastor. Just give me the word. That's what I need. That's, that's it. Ever been there? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Ever met someone like that? So there are people that have this bent. And look, let's just be honest for a moment. Just a quick sidebar here is there are different temperaments and personalities. And so let's just say that up front as a caveat, that there are different people that God has made with different temperaments. And yet, I believe that there was something unhealthy on being on the far extreme of being very cerebral exclusively and not having actual enjoyment in Jesus. But there are people on the other end of the spectrum that we'll call them emotionalists or emotionalism christianity this is the far other extreme of this spectrum and for a lot of people in that on that side of the camp it's as though an emotional high is the sum total of their christianity of following jesus and so i don't mean to be disrespectful but i mean i i think of it maybe as though emotional junkies looking for the next high And so I don't think that's healthy either, because the Bible, as we'll see this morning, does talk about having our emotions transformed, and there are healthy and unhealthy emotions that are sinful, and then there are holy emotions. And so if our entire following Jesus is purely driven, motivated by just emotion, then I believe that that is equally as unhealthy as the other end of the overly cerebral academic, stoic, that has no passion for Jesus. I truly believe that we need to avoid either extreme, and our goal ought to be healthy emotions. Healthy, God-honoring, God-glorifying emotions. And so this is a goal. Balanced, healthy emotions. Not on either end of this spectrum. But in order for us to have healthy, balanced, god-honoring emotions, we need to know what does the Bible say about that? We need a very biblical, grounded view. So when when you think about emotions, your emotions are far more, now hear me, not less than, but they're more than feelings or impulses or chemical reactions in Your brain. Now, they are those things. Your emotions are chemical, and your emotions are impulses, and they are feelings, but that's not all they are. Your emotions are more. So your emotions, if you want to think of it this way, your emotions are indicators of what you value and what you believe. So your emotions are indicators of what you value and what you believe. And so your emotions reflect your deepest inner self down to your your core, your being, your soul. Your emotions reflect what's going on inside of you. So your emotions are always going to be a response. So here's what I mean. When I say indicators and nerve response, thinking about an emotion will not generate an emotion. You hear me? So thinking about an emotion will not produce an emotion. So for example, if you think about anger, think about the emotion anger, will that make you get angry? Will Will it make your blood pressure skyrocket? No, it won't. Thinking about emotion will do nothing to you. But now think about that time when you really trusted someone, you loved that person, and then they backstabbed you. Remember that? Think about that. Dwell on that. Guess what happens to you? You'll have an emotional response. You will get angry. Same thing with Fear. Think about the emotion of fear. Will that cause you to be afraid? No, it won't. But think about someone that you really love, your favorite person. Or maybe if if you're single, think about your favorite pet. I don't know. Think about something or someone that you hold very, very dear to you. Now think about that person dying. Think about losing that pet. Now what happens to you? You have an emotional response of sadness or anxiety. You will respond to the thought of losing something or someone. You will respond emotionally. Same thing with being happy. I want you to think about being joyful. Well, it's kind of hard to manufacture that. You, you, can't, you can't just fake it or just it doesn't work that way. It's a response. Think about a person that you really enjoy, your favorite person. Now, think about having a full day with just that person and and no kids. (laughs) I love the kids and that they're with us this morning. But for the sake of the illustration, think of that person and no kids. That makes you smile, doesn't it? Like, it makes you so happy. Like, oh, that's going to be like heaven, Why? Because your emotions are a response. Your emotions are indicators of what's going on inside, deep inside. Your emotions reveal what you value. And they reveal what you believe. It's the reason why you you feel so proud of your children. Why, when your, your kids are, are playing, just like yesterday, I got to go to my son Josh. He's the Marching 100, so the Belton High School Marching Band. And they had a competition down in Ron Rock. And it was, he's a freshman in first year. And so it was just so fun to go and, and watch him and all of his colleagues play. And they've worked so hard, hours and hours and hours, and seeing them do so well. And I was so proud. Why was I proud? That's my boy, that's my son. I'm proud of him because I value him. When you value someone, when you believe in something, that will impact how you feel. Your emotions are indicators. The Bible has a lot to say about our emotions. The Bible describes emotions that are sinful, so unhealthy emotions. And so things like anger, hatred. Bitterness, resentment, fear, anxiety, worry. These are all described in the Bible. And all of them are described as being unhealthy. And we're told, don't do those things. But remember, emotions are their response. So something has to happen deeper inside in order for you to respond with Healthy emotions, the Bible also commands us. Now hear me, the Bible doesn't suggest God's word commands us rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't say if you feel like it. It doesn't say if you get around to it. It says do this, rejoice in the Lord. Have joy in the Lord. The Bible says love one another with a pure heart. It says love each other with brotherly affection. Feel it. Feel affection for your brothers and sisters in the church. Don't just show up on a Sunday, check the religious box, and then leave. That is not the same as brotherly affection, where you know each other and you're real with each other. We're a faith family, and we are commanded from the word to feel affection for each other. Other, we're told to be joyful. These are all commands, and these are all emotions. So emotions are responses that reveal what you value and what you believe. Second question, why? Why do we have emotions? And again, we want to go to the Word. We want to think biblically. We don't want to think with evolutionary naturalistic, atheist, you know, godless thinking. We want to think from the word. Why do we have emotions? Well, let's begin with the character of God. Let's think through who God is. The Bible describes God as emotional. Emotion is part of God's divine character. And so God, in his godness, his divine essence, God is emotional so God has a capacity to feel with holy and perfect emotions so some of you right now especially guys are freaking out on the inside saying what God is emotional yes he is yes God is emotional but now he's not emotional like us here's the difference We can be governed by our emotions. We can be led astray by our emotions. We can have sinful or unhealthy emotions. We can be emotionally vulnerable. We can emotionally manipulate other people. So there's a lot of ways that humans, when we think about emotional or she's so emotional, well, that is as humans, As humans, we struggle with our emotions, but God does not. So when we talk about God being emotional, what I mean is from the word that God's emotions are always in line and consistent with his holy character. And so his emotions are always holy and right and good and perfect. He never has unhealthy or sinful emotions emotions. Let me show you from the Bible. We'll do this pretty quickly. The Bible describes in Matthew three seventeen when Jesus was being baptized, the Father speaks from heaven, and he says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus made the Father's heart happy. God was Please, He loves his son. He delights in the son. That's emotion. But the Bible also describes that God loves, he feels affection for his people. I preached on this a few months ago in Zephaniah chapter 3. It describes that God says he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will exult over you with loud singing. God who exalts, he delights in you, he enjoys you, and he sings over you. So God feels deeply for you. He is moved with his affections, and he loves you. He also has hatred. The Bible says that he has a hatred for evil. So for example, Isaiah 61 verse 8 It says, for I, the Lord, love justice. There's emotion again. He feels affection. He loves justice. He says, I hate robbery and wrong. He hates it. Malachi also says that he hates divorce. Why? Because it's painful and it corrupts what he planned to be good and holy, reflecting his love for the church. And so there's things that God hates. He hates robbery because that's an injustice. He hates wrong because it's not consistent with his character. He hates to see us in pain and hurting. He hates his good creation being corrupted. He hates that. He feels that. The Bible even describes God as experiencing pain and sorrow. I mean, just look to Jesus. He had emotion he wept when his friend Lazarus had died. But if you look in Genesis chapter 6, it says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And verse 6 of chapter 6 says, And it grieved him to his heart. God's heart was grieved, overcome with sorrow. He was sad when he looked at the sin. And people hurting each other, it grieved him. And if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we're told, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve him. He lives in you and he is sanctifying you, he wants to experience joy in his presence. And when we resist him and don't walk in him and don't yield to him and don't enjoy him, but enjoy other things instead that are evil grieves him. It causes the heart of God sorrow. And so there's so many more examples, but just here in brief, we can see that our God experiences sadness, compassion, love, anger, joy. The whole range of emotions that we call human emotions are God's emotions. He feels. But remember, when he feels, he does it Holy and perfect. So now we're ready to answer the question that we're just now asking. Second question is, why do we have emotions? Well, we have emotions because we are made in God's image. That's why. God has emotions. We are the reflection of God. We are his image. And so therefore, we have emotions. So by God's design, we are emotional beings. This is who we are. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 describes that God made man, of course, and woman. He made us in his own image. In the image of him, he created him male and female and God blessed them. So he made us in his image, verse 28 says, and he blessed Adam and Eve. So this blessing that God has given to humanity, of being made in God's image, this blessing gives us the capacity to enjoy the presence of God. Enjoyment is an emotion. We have the ability to be satisfied In his presence. That is an emotion. We have been created to deeply love God. Guess what love is? Yes, it is an emotion. It's something that we feel that moves us to act, no doubt. But it is not right. I've heard this said, love is a verb. Well, yes, it is. Yes, love is an action. But we cannot divorce love The action from love, the emotion, they go hand in hand. It is because of your affections for the person that you are moved to then serve that person. And if you are serving without love, then what is the point? The point is love. It's an emotion. We're moved and this emotion moves us to do good to others. And we cry out with joy as we walk with God. These are all emotions because we are made in the image of God. And to God's purpose for your emotions. God's purpose, because there is one. He gave you emotions so that you can feel love for him. Feel enjoyment for him. Enjoy worshiping him. In short... God gave you emotions so that you can glorify him. Think of it this way. The chief end of your emotions is that you would glorify God forever. This is the goal. The purpose is his glory. We should not be controlled by our emotions and led into sin. No, absolutely not. Emotions have been given to us by God as a gift to move us toward worship. To move us to love him. To trust him. And as you love and trust Jesus, you will obey him. Number three. Why do we struggle with our emotions? So we've talked about what emotions are. Emotions are responses that reveal what's going on inside. Second, we're seeing well, why do we have emotions so that you can reflect the glory of God as you worship? Number three, well, why do we struggle with our emotions? Well, because all of us are born with a sinful nature. Every one of us has been infected by sin, and our sin doesn't affect just our mind, doesn't affect just our bodies. Our, the sin that we have also infects our emotions. Our emotions are just as tainted by sin as any other part of who we are as holistic beings. So our emotions are twisted and corrupted. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our hearts are corrupted. Our very emotions can be twisted and distort instead of display the glory of God. So our mind, emotions, talk about this next week, our will, all of us are corrupt and desperate for God's renewal. Any one of us can, and most days all of us do, in some capacity, have toxic emotions. We do. And if you're denying it, then I would encourage you to speak to those who live with you. And I'm sure they'll confirm, Pastor Matthew was right. You can absolutely have different toxic emotions. But that's why Jesus came into this world. World And why he died on the cross and paid for our sins and resurrected on the third day so that we could be made new, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have our whole being changed to be white, hot worshipers of God. And that includes our emotions. Our emotions need renewal. Our emotions need to be transformed, to be healed, to be healthy. Our emotions are not exempt from our sinful nature, but your emotions are also not exempt from Christ's work on the cross. That's why he came to satisfy all of you, and that includes your emotions. And so through the power of the gospel and the spirit, as we focus on the word, through the power of the spirit, what happens is we can have renewed emotions that are healthy, and balanced, that in the end reflect the glory of God, because that is the purpose. In our remaining time, I want to look at one passage. At this point, we've been thinking more big picture. We've been thinking about from the Bible as a whole on our emotions, but let's focus in on one text for our remaining time in Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations 3, we'll be reading from verses 1 through 17, and this is powerful, this is just so real, I love how the Bible just lays it out, and it's just so real, Lamentations 3, verses 1 through 17. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation he has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying and waits for me, a lion in the hiding He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. Ever been there? Deep emotional pain. I mean, just a quick recap of these verses he's in affliction, he's in darkness, he feels like God is shutting out and not hearing his prayers, he feels desolate, so alone, he's in pain, that's described as arrows into his kidneys, he says he has no peace, That he's cowering in ashes. And verse 17 summarizes the whole emotional state. My soul is bereft of peace. My soul is empty of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. Deep emotional pain. This is pure agony. I don't know your circumstances today. I know some, but I don't know everyone. Maybe today, you know what it feels like to say, my soul is empty of peace. And I have forgotten what it's like to just smile spontaneously. I have forgotten what it's like to laugh to where your side hurts. I've forgotten what happiness is. Church history tells us that the prophet Jeremiah wrote the Book of Lamentations, that it was a lament. That he was weeping, lamenting. He was sad over the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonian army that came in 586 BC and destroyed the wall, burned everything down, leveled the temple. This utter destruction. And if you were there on that day, for the months leading up to destruction where there was a siege around the city, and there was starvation and the stench of death was in the air. It was horrifying. These circumstances could not have been more bleak or more dark than when Jeremiah wrote these Words, but you know what's the, really the saddest part? Jerusalem deserved it. The prophets warned them for years and years and years and years, like for centuries. The prophets warned Jerusalem, You're on the path of foolishness, you're on the path of idolatry, you're going down the wrong path, it's going to end in destruction. Stop, turn around. Turn back to God. And they said no. They continued down the path of foolishness and destruction, and eventually they got to where the road ended. Have you ever known anyone that you saw on their path, and you tried to warn them over and over and over, and they refused to listen, and their path ended in devastation? Maybe that's your story. This was Israel's story. We need to understand why we are, where we are in our lives. It's so important to understand the struggle, why we got to where we are, because our emotions reveal what's going on deep inside. Let me give you three Sources of emotional struggle. This is why we struggle, oftentimes because of past pain. Perhaps you've experienced whether it was trauma as a child, or someone who promised to be there for you wasn't. Past failure, disappointment, regret. I don't. I don't know, but something in your past maybe is the root cause for why today you are having such emotional struggles. But it's not just past pain. It can be current challenges. A lot of times emotional struggles are just we're going through circumstances that are very painful, very disappointing. But sometimes it's not even past pain or current struggles. Sometimes it's fear of the future. Sometimes we're paralyzed because we're afraid Am I gonna have enough for retirement? We're paralyzed on will this career ever be launched? Will this business ever make it? Will my kids be okay? Will I ever stop this pattern that's Just enslaving me. Will I ever have freedom? Will things ever change? And we worry about tomorrow, this fear of the future, of what it's going to be like, or how it might not turn out. And it can choke us out and paralyze us. Whether it's past or present or future, it it can. In Jeremiah's day, they had all three going on. They had pain in the past for years they knew better and they refused to repent. And then they had a current day struggles called Babylon. And then they have fear of the future. On will God ever deliver us? Will we ever again be free and be restored and renewed? And we can have very toxic emotions. And here's what happens: that like we mentioned this last week. But the enemy is like a shark in the water. He can smell. Your pain, he can smell the blood, he can smell your toxic emotions, and he will not relent. He will come after you. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27, it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is an emotion. It says, don't have toxic emotions. Why? He says, lest the enemy have a foothold on you. When you have toxic emotions, what happens is the enemy can use that against you to attack you, to enslave you, to draw you far away from God. And to to keep you trapped in this pattern of toxic emotions, focusing on the past or focusing on the current struggles or on the uncertain future instead of focusing on the character of God. Which is why we need to get to the fourth question now, so time is expiring. How can we have, how can we develop healthy emotions? What do we need to do to have truly healthy emotions in the face of our painful past or present or uncertain future? How can we have healthy emotions? Well, one common response is we can be dominated by our emotions. Now, being dominated by our emotion, what that means is that the depression, the fear, the anger is paralyzing, and it just keeps you enslaved, where you're just in this pattern of being unhealthy emotionally. Or some of us deny our emotions. We build up a wall around our heart, around our emotions, so that we don't have to feel the pain. Or disappointment any longer. But you know what that does? It shuts out the spirit of God. You're grieving him. You're resisting him. And it shuts out the people of God who want to love you and come in and help you. But you've got them all pushed out. And you're stoic. And you're denying your emotions. And it will not lead to freedom. And it will not lead to healthy Whether being dominated by emotions or denying your emotions, neither one. Now, denying is helpful if you're trying to numb. If you're trying to numb your pain, it's a great way to do it. But if your goal is to be healthy, then let's look at verses 18 through 20. It's so powerful. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings a Wormwood and the gall, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. This is so powerful, what he says in verse 18. We just read it. He says, man, my endurance is perished. My soul continually remembers it. You know what he's doing? Let me give you three steps towards having healthy emotions. Number one, we see it here, is face the pain. You have to face pain. The pain. If you want to have healthy emotions, number one, you have to be willing to do what, what Jeremiah is doing here. He's facing the pain. What is he saying? What is he being honest about? He's saying, My endurance has perished, my hope is gone. He's talking about wormwood, that is that is bitterness. And so it was a bitter thing. He's talking about, man, I'm struggling. I'm in pain here. He's not denying his emotions. He's not walling up his heart. He's being honest. And some of you today need to be honest. If your marriage is bad, just say it. Pastor, my marriage is bad. If your kids are bad, just acknowledge it. My kids are bad. They're bad. Like, just be honest. My work is bad. My thoughts are bad. My anger is real. My depression is overwhelming. Whatever it is, be honest. Just be honest. Take off the mask. And stop pretending that everything is okay. Because it's not. And that's okay. Can we be a people? Can we be the faith family where we're just real with each other? Yeah. Where we go to a home group or a type of group and then we just say, man, this week was horrible. I need help. You have to face the pain without being dominated by the unhealthy emotions or denying them. Pay attention to how you're feeling because how you're feeling is showing what's going on inside. Let's let's finish up the last few verses, twenty one through twenty six. But this I call to mind. Here's this shift. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. You hear that? I call to mind, and now I have hope. What did you call to mind? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. It is good. I love verse 26. Wait quietly for the Lord. So, you want healthy emotions. Number one is be honest. So, face the pain. Number two, focus on God. Focus on who God is, not on the circumstances. He says, This I call to mind. He is thinking, he is focused on who God is. And when he does, his heart is at peace. The toxic emotions begin to dissipate. But you know what did not change? His circumstances did not change. Babylon still came. The circumstances did not change. But what changed was his heart. He changed in the middle of his incredibly painful, disappointing circumstances because truth triumphs over despair. Truth triumphs over depression. Truth triumphs over anger. Truth triumphs because his name is Jesus. He says, I am the way and the truth and the Life And no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the truth. And Jesus triumphs over our toxic emotions. And through his spirit, as we focus on him, Jesus brings us healthy and balanced emotions. And it's a picture of what's coming in heaven, which is perfection. Emotional beings, but always holy. We can have a taste of it. Right here and right now, which is why, number three, feelings can change. Your feelings can change. Feelings are not sovereign. And no matter what you've been through or what's been done to you or how bad you've messed up, it doesn't matter because Jesus paid it all. Jesus has a plan. And a purpose for you, even when it seems like he's not working, he is working. We wait on him and we feast on his mercy. It says that they're new every morning. And we just beg God to bring healing, to bring us healthy emotions. Feelings can change. I love these verses. It says, Seeking God, waiting for God. Emotions are responses to what we value and what we believe. May we be a church that values God, that believes that he can do what he says he can do, and that he will display his glory through our emotions.